Desk uh, on Sin 90.7. My name's Caleb Scanlon and I'm joined by Tal Sardoni. We're recording this on Sunday afternoon, as is with COVID restrictions, so we will do our best to stay up to date. But uh, we've got a packed show today. We're going to be talking all things about the weekend, sport that's happened. We're going to be talking about some real changes we've seen, some tweets from a burner account, AFL on demand, a few news bombshells, and the week ahead. Tal, how has your weekend been? Have you been uh, watching a fair bit of sport? Uh, seeing as my major sport intake is AFL, I haven't been watching as much sport as I could have been, but I've definitely caught a few highlights of the cricket, uh, the women's cricket from yesterday, um, and also the basketball, which has been running for the last couple of days and has been getting a little bit spicy in the conference finals. So, yes, nice. up to date enough, <laughs> as up to date as we can be right now. Before we jump into a very quick break and talk about some of the things that caught your eye this weekend, I think we should probably preface uh, not only this show, but the entire season with um, a little bit of a caveat that we are only really going to talk about the sports that you and I are are into. So um, I think you're spot on there because, and I think it's important to make that distinction because we don't want to come across as two guys talking about sport and pretending to know stuff that we don't know. And we'll just leave that to the entirety of the sports media cycle. Uh, outside of sin, but us on this show right here, we'll stick to what we know or what we think we know anyway. We'll be back after a very quick break and we're going to be talking about some headlines that caught our eye this weekend. You are on Sin 90.7 and this is the Sports Desk. You are with Tal and Caleb on the Sports Desk on a Monday morning. As we were saying before the break, we are recording this on a Sunday, but we're going to talk about some of the headlines or some of the things that caught our eye over the weekend. And Tal, you're going to lead us away with some of the AFL All-Australian team. What were your thoughts? The AFL All-Australian team. Um, is it the Australian All-Australian midfielders? I think that's <laughs> kind of that's kind of what we're we're seeing here. I think yeah. it's look. Yes, there's a lot of stars in the team. It's fantastic, but I think it's another case of the AFL wanting to have their cake and eat it too. And I just think that look, maybe I'm being an old man about this, but I just want to make a case for traditionalism. Mm-hmm. And I just want to have some structure with the uh, with the way the field lines up. And I would like to see some backs, forwards and mids in their yeah. positions that they spend the most time in. So I suppose like the the real position that is highlighted is the half forward and maybe forward pockets where Dustin mm-hmm. Martin got selected in forward pocket. Marcus Bontempelli was picked on the half forward flank along with Dangerfield, which raised a few eyebrows. Um, I feel like the back line is pretty consistent, like... They and, and traditionally you know pick defenders. Yeah, and we're not going to pay much attention to the back line because no one ever does. So we'll just, <laughs> right, we'll just skip right across them. Um, I, we know that we know that the mids and the forward line are just a big wishy-washy tumble washing machine full of – it's very confusing. It's very confusing. I get that. But I just would like to see a bit more respect given to the small forwards of the competition, um, people who do spend most of their time in the forward line rather than people who kind of float in between – um, and rest forward. 
or See, go there for the dramatic effect? I had a very similar reaction when I first saw the team. Uh, and then the more I thought about it and the more that I text my friends about it, I realised that that is exactly what the AFL wants. The Australian team is just a just like a carrier for people to make conversations about. I think they almost feed off people having the conversations that we're having right now. And it's also an interesting one because what even is the All-Australian team? They don't play against anyone. Um, if it was a team that played against a team, you would probably argue maybe you would pick Dangerfield over Tom Papley or, I don't know, Dan Butler. But at the same time, I understand where you're coming from. Um, and I, the I, the irony isn't lost on me that we are talking about me talking about the media wanting <laughs> to talk about it. Hey, one thing that did catch my eye over the weekend was uh, it's to do with the Super Netball. Um, and this was a new story from last week. So Super Netball, they celebrated their uh, Indigenous rounds. Um, and the controversy that came out of it was of the two Indigenous netballers that play at the moment in the Super Netball League, um, only one of them was named, uh, and that was, that was, sorry, Gemma Mimi. Mm, mm. And Gemma Mimi didn't play any minutes. The, the issue with it, though, was that she was promoted quite heavily by Netball Australia and Super Netball uh, in the week leading up to the game. Uh, so there was a fair bit of news, but... It's popped up again because during the game, we, we saw uh, an interview go on um, with the head coach of the Queensland Firebirds, and she defended her actions. We'll play a little bit of a, an audio grab from uh, the Channel 9 coverage, um, and you'll hear what she has to say about why she de decided to leave out Gemma Mimi. We've got Rosie Jenke with us. Thanks, Rosie, for your time. Um, I have to ask this up front. I believe the public and the fans are probably dying to know. You've got direct access to Gemma Mimi. Can I ask, how's her week been and, and how, how is she? Uh, Gemma's uh, really good. Um, she's, um, for the whole team, it's been about regrouping. Um, and we got together on third, uh, Wednesday and had a really good little chat um, and just really came together. We went out for breakfast, got around each other. Um, Gemma's been incredibly, um, you, know, you know, good this week um, after, you know, last you know, Monday and Tuesday. And um, she's out on court now doing what she loves and what she does best. Rose, if you had your time again, would you play last week differently? Um, um, that's a really interesting question. I mean, my position is around winning. That's my job description. And we had a great game against Vixens. Um, and I put the team on that's going to win, um, possibly. Um, and in the scheme of things, I think that what we've learned is a hell of a lot as a sport. And we need. it's been a really sad week and we all need to do it a hell of a lot better. So an interesting comment there. I I suppose it's, a, it's an incredibly uh, difficult uh, issue because I can understand both sides of the argument. I can understand where the coach is coming from, where, you know, you don't want to, I can understand partially that the comment of, um, you know, I'm here to put on the team that mm. is going to perform to win. And it is a competitive, um, league. It's the most competitive netball league in the world. Um, but I just took issue with the comment of, my job is to win. And I think that there is a broader discussion, sorry, about 
the the coach's role within a team uh, across all sports. And I don't think it is just win at all costs. I completely agree with you on that. And I think it's a, yeah, it's a very uh, one-track mindset for a coach to have when they say they're just about winning. And we know that perhaps uh, a long time ago, that was uh, a coach's bread and butter, just winning and the well-being or the, um, the, the group, uh, the group well-being of the team kind of was just, they could figure that, figure it out themselves and winning did come first. But, you know, into in this day and age, a, we know that having a team that's closer together makes you be better. And we just know that that's a better environment environment for people to want to work in when they feel valued uh, and when they feel like mm. they're not being taken advantage of. And I think that is something that should factor into, into the decision. I mean, she's pretty blatantly said that it doesn't factor into her decision. Mm. And, you know, the, in, in the press release from the club, they said that they they misread the community expectations and I think there is something to be said for community expectations when you are using, um, you know, a singular player to promote uh, the Indigenous round, which is a fantastic celebration. Um, and then to not see that person have their chance to to represent um, and to kind of, you know, to embody what she's been used to promote the entire week. I mm. think it it it's tough to just put it all on my jobs here to win. I think... Yeah some more consideration does need to be given to it. Before we move on, I know that they have, on the back of all of this, Liz Ellis, um, Australian Diamonds superstar, uh, has is leading a review into um, why there are so few Indigenous players in um, Nepal in Australia. So I think that's a very good step forward. And if if nothing else, it is a positive to come out of it. This, you know, this light that has been shone on... Um, probably from a grassroots level that there aren't enough indigenous people that are taking on the sport, um, which is pretty much leading into a lack of visibility um, at the professional level for the last headline that caught your eye over the weekend. And this was one uh, involving Lin Jong from the Western Bulldogs. Yeah. So an interview in the Saturday paper uh, featuring Lin Jong, it was written by Shelley Ware and was talking about the letter that has been sent to the uh, Australian attorney general, Christian Porter, um, about the need to address online vil- the online vilification, racial vilification of sports stars um, and, and sports personalities in Australia. We've seen it so many times this year um, and many times in the past, uh, but this particular letter has been co-signed by Lin Jong, who was really receptive um, to the approach, and uh, fellow Western Bulldogs teammates, including uh, Libba, um, and a couple of other players as well. Uh, and with like, the comments... JJ was in there as well. And JJ uh, was in there. And the, the young player whose Book name is Book That's Karmas, the one. Yeah. Thank you, Western Bulldogs fan, number <laughs> one. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's been co-signed by them. And, and Christian Porter has said that there is a, an online safety act in development. And there's, quote, a growing sense that online behaviour must have the same stringent rules apply to it uh, as exists outside the internet. And it is a really... It's, it's a really hard thing to to monitor. We know that. But at the same time, you have to demand that it is. And I had, I had an experience earlier this year where I comment, I reported a comment on a post uh, of an Indigenous uh, AFL player. And the comment that was on there, which I reported, was clearly racist. It was like a couple of words by what looked like a burner account, and it was racist. Obviously, I won't repeat the words, but I reported it. And 
a few hours later, I got the report back from the Instagram integrity team or whatever it is. Uh, same, the comment didn't uh, didn't break any of its online codes when it clearly does. If they have a code against racism, which they should and they do, it broke it. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, it the two times that I reported it, it didn't, nothing happened. So yeah, I've had the exact same experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, it absolutely bemuses me that, um, I mean, is it AI or is there a person behind this that is reviewing every single report? Like it's, it is um, quite baffling. So it's good to see that there is, you know, a motion that's being put forward. Um, and I think it is good that we can hold people account as if they are saying what they're typing online in person. And I think we've seen a couple of times this year um, that there have been people who have commented on um, stuff on, on on Facebook and Instagram who have had criminal charges brought against them mm. and would like to see that continue and, and not just be reserved for a few instances, but um, start to clamp down on it. Uh, really hard because it's it's a complex area, but it can it it, it needs to be dealt with. Absolutely, uh, we're going to jump into a bit of a lighter tone after this break. We're going to go into some rule changes that you and I would like to see across a different, mm-hmm. few different sports. Um, you are on Sin ninety point seven, and you're listening to Tal and Caleb on the Sports Desk. We'll be back in a sec. You're listening to Sin ninety point seven. This is the Sports Desk on your Monday morning. You're with Tal and Caleb. And there are so many rules that govern the games that we love and we think they can always be tweaked with. Scan, or Caleb, Scan, you have uh, <laughs> you have a rule uh, change that we're going to get into this week and we'll have a look at some more rules in the weeks to come. But you've got one related to the women's cricket. Yeah, I'm just going to get the ball rolling. I was watching the cricket on Saturday. Uh, it was the women taking on um, New Zealand. Um and there was a few controversial calls, uh, one in particular where it was a massive edge, uh, got picked up on the stump mic um, and the umpire gave it not out. And my instant reaction was, well, I assume that New Zealand will send this upstairs. And then I remembered that there is actually no DRS in the women's sport. There's third umpire for runouts and stumpings, but there is no option for women at the highest level of their sport to challenge a decision like they do in the men's. So that is a rule change that I would like to see um, brought in because there is no reason for it not to come in. And we were talking off air, Tal, about why this might be the case. And I suppose it comes down to if they're playing at different grounds that might not have the infrastructure in place, uh, you know, it might not be as easy. But I think it's gotten to the point now where cricket, especially in Australia, New Zealand, England, where there is the crowds, there are the ovals, there is the audience for it, and it's got the broadcasters that are broadcasting this game. It shouldn't be too hard to do it. And for sake of consistency, I don't really think it makes a huge difference. If you can get more decisions correct as a result of bringing it in, I can't see why it's an issue. And It should be, like, like you said, then they're playing at larger grounds. And mm. I think this is like the technology and the equipment and the money is clearly there. And this is like, I think this is a classic case of, you know, legislation and rules not being able to keep up quickly yep. enough with rapidly changing technology and environments. And we saw, you know, we've seen how successful women's cricket has been in the last few years and the rules are clearly lagging um, and not not keeping pace uh, with it. So it would be, it'd be good to see. And also just a commitment from um, from the cricket, cricket governing bodies to, you know, to put their money where their mouth is mm-hmm. and, and, and be like, okay, yes, we value women's cricket. 
and therefore we're going to give them the resources that they deserve. Let's um, jump into a quick break, but we are going to bring this back maybe next week. So if you've mm. got any ideas of rule changes, can be funny, can be serious, uh, can be to improve accessibility for other people, let us uh, let us know. Hit us up on Instagram or on Facebook uh, at the Sports Desk. Uh, we're going to jump. Maybe into a quick maybe break. just. Maybe just one to, for people to just tick over in their minds. If there's any rules that could make goal umpires more confident <laughs> and less anxiety-ridden about making decisions, because if we could get some rules to not make them look like they're about to be eaten alive when they are unsure about a decision, I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> if someone can address that for me, send it into the sports desk. Hit us up. You're on sports desk on C90.7. We'll be back in a sec. Welcome back to the Sports Desk. Hope you're having a lovely Monday morning. Tal and Caleb, we're coming to you pre-recorded Sunday afternoon. So we hope there hasn't been any huge developments in um, in AFL on demand overnight because that's what we're about to jump into. <laughs> I mean, if there has been if there has been some massive developments, it may strike about three things <laughs> what we're about to talk about off the list. Because look, we have some suggestions. We yeah. have. <laughs> let's let's quick, quickly give a quick rundown on. What has happened? So effectively, AFL has come out with a little bit of like a, a ambiguous uh, tweet or Instagram post, and they've said coming soon AFL on demand. Um, I don't know what what did your mind go to straight away when you saw the AFL on demand? What were you hoping for? What I was hoping for uh, was something that you know, if it had existed six months ago, would have solved all of my issues at the start <laughs> of at the start of at the start of lockdown when we were we had no footy. Nothing was good. All I wanted to see was old matches. I wanted to see old collections of matches. I wanted to see classic matches. I wanted to see all of that. And the best you can get is 540p YouTube videos where you can't make <laughs> out players' faces. It's like AFL Evolution 2007. It sucks. That's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see a bank of old games that are accessible and free and they have worked out the publishing agreements. But what we've got is like Stan for footy. And it's not even good stuff. I'm trying to think of, um, I feel like there was another um, streaming service before Stan and it was just like the absolute pitch. But um, I don't know. I don't mind Stan. But I feel like I was hoping for the same thing. Something like a really good library of classic games, every game accessible. I have no idea what the broadcast rights are like. So this is very like... um, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and, and we can dream, Caleb. We can dream. Uh, does it kind of feel like? Does it kind of feel like a lockdown project for an AFL employee to keep him on JobKeeper? Like absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just. It. I don't. So I mean, for anyone who is unclear about what we're talking about, they've taken all of their content that they've aired on uh, their their AFL YouTube channel and they've just parked it on a nice shiny. Yes. Uh, menu screen on the AFL on demand. So it's all in the one place and there's some good docos in there. Um, there's some good shows, but they were all there anyway. Yeah. And it just feels like it's a bit of a glossy makeover. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's another attempt to centralize the, um, you know, the assets that the AFL has and, um, you know, I, I can see the benefit in it. Uh, but, you know, live sport is one of the last commercial things we have in this world. Live, you know, live events, which hasn't kind of gone out um, and been put into the hands of many. There are still massive controlling bodies um, that control you know, the sporting channels and the and the distri- distribution 
of them. So it'd be nice to see with so much power um, to give us a little bit of the old stuff. Just work work for us for once, not just for the for the money. I just want listicles. I want top 50 marks of the last century because, you know, when you see a really good mark and the commentator quickly goes to that is the mark of the year or that is the mark of the century. <laughs> I want to see a compilation of all of those um, just so that it makes fun of the commentators that are quick to call it the mark of the century. Um, and let's be clear, we can write, well, not us, but our mate Tobias can write some code, <laughs> an algorithm that will go through, it'll go through all the audio and we'll be able to patch together these videos from the commentary from over the years. It it can be done. Love it. All right, let's jump into a break. We're going to be talking about one of the biggest news bombshells that hit us uh, just recently involving one of the Sydney Swans superstars. You're on Sports Desk with Tal and Caleb on Sin 90.7. You're back on Sports Desk. This is Sin on your Monday morning. You're with Tal, that's me, and Caleb across from me, and we're talking all the sport from the last week. There's been breaking news left, right, and centre, including an article filed under TV and showbiz in the Daily Mail Australia with the gripping headline, and I don't know how I missed this, Buddy Franklin takes out the trash outside his Sydney home with a photo, an accompanying photo of Buddy Franklin, you guessed it, taking out his bins. Interesting to note, in the photo, it looks like he has two yellow recycling bins. Are you saying that that's probably the, it the must be nice shell of the story? It, yeah. it must be nice. To quote Hamish Blake, it must be very nice to have two recycling bins. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, I, what a bombshell from the Daily Mail. And uh, I do feel like a little bit of a Paul Barry at the moment, doing a bit of media watch, picking up some keep, of the news headlines. Got to keep him in line, you know. Yeah. Um, there is a few more. There is a few more that we uh, that we have, you know, found, shall we say? Um, Scan, you uh, you found one as well. Uh, another big headline. Let's go through some of the mm. huge headlines from mm. this week, starting with Sydney Swans captain Josh Kennedy, mm. reportedly, and I want to stress reportedly, forgot to put his bins out and was spotted filling Franklin, his teammates' bins, with his Mad Monday bottles. Ugh. Now that deserves that deserves a back page spread <laughs> on some broadsheet. Um, I had a, had another one over from uh, from WA star forward Sam Kerr, uh, reportedly only ate half a burrito when she was out of the kebab shop before reportedly wrapping the foil back over it, putting it in her bag and saying, "I'll heat that up later." Reports say it's at the bean at the back of her fridge for near on a week now. We'll have more to come. <laughs> A developing story coming from the king of spin himself, Shane Warne. He's been in the media a little bit. More controversy seems to follow him wherever he goes. But the latest one, he's reportedly swiped left on popular dating app Tinder. <laughs> oh, Warnie. It must be that. It must be that grim. <laughs> we'll probably bring you back some uh, some new big bombshells on um, sports desk slash media watch next week. Unless either of us have been picked up by the Daily Mail Australia to be <laughs> running their TV and showbiz column. Uh, but we will let you know and, uh, and you know, we'll easily be replaced if one of us, if one of us does. You're on the sports desk on Sin 90.7 with Tal and Caleb. Be back in a sec. Thanks for joining us on the Sports Desk on this Monday morning. We hope you've had a lovely morning listening to our very first show of the season. Uh, it is the start of season four, which means we've got new hosts across the week. Um, Tal and I have been 
Caleb, that is, have been bringing you some of the uh, some of the saucy stories from over the weekend. Um, the week ahead, though, which will be covered across Sports Desk all week, we've got the NBA Conference Finals. And Tal, I know you know a lot more about NBA than I do, so tell me what's what's happening at the moment. Well, there's five guys on each end of the court. There's a ball, <laughs> all right. And they're going to want to put it in the big the big ring up the end. Um, and there's one guy who's really good at doing that. His name is LeBron James, and he has just turned in an unbelievable triple-double in the Western Conference Finals to take the Lakers to their first finals appearance since Kobe Bryant uh, was leading them back in 2010, I think. Jesus. I'll have to be corrected on that. But this is LeBron's 10th finals appearance, um, which puts him above... Um, all but three franchises in NBA history for finals appearances. So Boston, the Lakers, and the Warriors have been to the finals. <laughs> They're the only, they're the only franchises that have been to the finals more times than LeBron has by himself or with a team around him. So um, he told his teammates, uh, this is Ant, the, the Lakers' Anthony Davis told in a press game, inter- told the press in an interview after the game that LeBron said to them, it's my time. So get out of the way. I got this. I and it. he did. He turned it on. Um, and it's pretty incredible to see him when he does that. So uh, it's kind of been a, not a foregone conclusion, but they definitely were the favorites to come out of the Western Conference. Yeah, uh, and they will be facing. The, talk about, yeah, tell me about the East. Yeah. So what's the happening East. over there? We've got Heat and Celtics going at it. Yep. And I've seen the that Jimmy Heat Butler's a, been doing some big things. He has. He has been leading that team. Uh, Jimmy Butler is a very... He's a he's a hard player. Uh, he just seems like the kind of guy that you want to hang out with. He doesn't get involved <laughs> in dumb stuff um, around the league. Like he just he just is his own man, and he has found his he's found a role that really suits him after bouncing around the league for a few years in the Heat system um, under Pat Riley, the um, the leader of the organization. Name's gone. The title's <laughs> gone blank. But Eric Spoelstra, the coach as well. Um, and they're up against the Boston Celtics, who are a young young team. They're looking really good as well, mm-hmm. and they are down two three to the Heat at the moment. The Heat had a chance to close it out yesterday. They didn't take that chance. So potentially, as we are as we are talking right now, the game will be will be underway. Oh, spicy. Yes. So another chance for the Heat to close it out. There's a young rookie named Tyler Hero who is playing out of his skin right now. He had a 37 point game the other night, looking like you know a potential future of the franchise player, um, you know, comparable to someone like the Clay Thompson's, um, someone who's just like an incredible shooter, works on his game, is so lovely in his strength. Nice. And um, who would you prefer to see take on the Lakers? I know that there's the history between Lakers and Celtics that would be kind of nice to see the old rivals go at it, but there is a bit of a, an underdog story about the Heat and the way that they've risen and you know, pipped so many teams in the East. Who have you, who would you prefer to see? Absolutely, they've um, they've rebuilt really well, and I personally would love to see the Heat yep. get back into the finals um, against uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited! his <laughs> mic in excitement. So Tal is very tipping the Heat to go through <laughs> to the NBA Finals. <laughs> Hey, another one that's coming up this week that will be covered extensively, extensively, pardon me, on the Friday show. On Wednesday, the Australian women will be taking on New Zealand in the third T20. Uh, as we are recording this, the Australian women are chasing down 128. They're two for 75 with 10 overs in. So obviously, by the time you'll be listening to this, um, 
you will know the answer. So I'm going to make a fool of myself and say Australia should win from here and it will be smooth sailing and game three will be a dead rubber. And just so one of us has a um, has a good time next week, I'm going to say New Zealand take it out as well. And then obviously next next weekend, starting on Thursday, will be the AFL finals. Uh, so I'm pretty sure the first game is Geelong and Port Adelaide off the top of my head. It is um, Thursday evening. Thursday evening, yeah. And then uh, a couple of games after that. So I can't seem to get up the fixture because I love the functionality of the AFL website. Next Lions week we're doing 45 minutes on the AFL website. <laughs> Uh, after we've ripped AFL on demand this week. <laughs> so Brisbane will be taking on Richmond on Friday night, Saints and Dogs on Saturday afternoon, and West Coast and Collingwood on Saturday Arvo as well. And Very we'll excited be- for the Josh Bruce Cup. Um, yeah. Kilda and the Western Bulldogs. If there's any time when Josh Bruce is going to pull it together this season, surely it's this game. As a Doggies fan, I really appreciate you saying that. So thank you. Uh, we'll be back next Monday and we'll be reviewing all of those games and all of the week of sport. So you can catch us nine o'clock and all of the sin sports desk shows throughout the week, nine o'clock on Wednesday, nine o'clock on Friday and catch it wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you again. See you next week.